If you just want Jesus, give him the best hand clap of praise. Come on and shout Jesus all over this place. Tell you what, you live this life long enough, you get to a point where you don't want all the other stuff. Just give me Jesus. I don't need the fluff. I don't need all this other uh, stuff that we like to add on to it. But I just want Jesus, pure and simple. Come on. Isn't he worthy to be praised? Take a minute to just high five somebody. Let them know that you're glad that they're here. You know what I like to say? Smile at them really big just to the point that it's just, you know, embarrassing that this, that kind of smile, that awkward smile. Smile at them real good. Some of y'all move closer together, too. I mean, just so I could see you. A little bit. We're going to get into this word. Love it. I love it. I know there's somebody in here like, I don't shake hands unless I have sanitizer. (laughs) But, man, I'm so grateful to see you all here today. I'm ready to, to finish this series out and Lord really impressed upon me as we open the year to talk about this theme of this is your year and really talking about total health for the total person and to be honest with you I had a layout of how the series would go and I've already pretty much detoured twice you know in prayer because of things that I believe that God wanted to say to us through his word Um, and I don't know about you if you go on online or anything or look around Everybody with this 2020 coming up was talking about, you know, vision 2020, 2020 vision. And you know how we have the themes for each year. And for years, people have something that rhymes with the the year. Can we deal with whatever's going on with this? Um, If it's me, just let me know. Um, But vision 2020, 2020 vision, all these things that are going to happen in 2020. And began to think about how even as children, many of us came up and we went to um, have our eye appointments. As you can see, I wear glasses, so I don't have 20-20 vision. Um, but some, you know, when I was growing up in school, some kids would, they come from their, their appointment, they don't have, they didn't have glasses, so they'd be bragging, and they'd say, you know, I got 20-20 vision, I can see perfectly. How many of you have ever met somebody like that, that nobody did? Okay. They, uh, I got 20-20, 20-20. And as I began to research, and this was new to me, and it might be new to some of you. Um, how many of you know that 2020 vision is not actually perfect vision? When you look at that, um, and when you research it, 2020 vision is not at all perfect visual acuity. All 2020 vision is, is normal vision. Some of y'all missed that already. It's normal vision, but to, to look at what is abnormal or perfect visual acuity is actually 2010. And what I began to think about is the fact that some of us are satisfied with being normal. Come on, it's quiet in here. But some of us are, are satisfied with simply being normal. But how many of you know when you build and, 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 and go into a relationship with God, you can't, be, you can't be normal? The very fact that Christ died for you, died for your sins so that you could have a relationship with him means that you are called to live an abnormal life. That means there's going to be things that are different about you. When, you. when you go into groups and when you get into groups of people, you're not always going to blend in because you weren't called to blend in. You were called to stand out. Y'all missed it already. But some of us, we, we try to figure out why is it that I try to press myself into a place and I don't ever really fit because God didn't design for you to fit. We can't ever be an example in a place where we just fit. Oh, it's quiet in here. But God didn't call us to do that. And the thing that... that we have to understand in order to really live this life the way that God wants to, us to live it is to have healthy vision. Say healthy vision. We got to have healthy vision. We started talking about if a person does not like what they see in the mirror, it's going to be impossible for them to affect the world beyond them. You ever, you ever got up in the morning and no matter how many different things you tried on, you just got frustrated. Uh, it, it was perfect last week, but this week, for some reason, it's just getting on your nerves. And it's really not what you're wearing you don't like as much as something that's going on on the inside that affects how you deal with your outside world. And so we move from that to the next week talking about being emotionally healthy and how being emotionally healthy is important because when we're not emotionally healthy, we lose our protection. What does that look like? That means when somebody pokes you, you say something that you shouldn't have said and you say, I'm sorry, I didn't mean it. 
what it means is that you're, you're able to be pushed off of where God has you too easily uh, because you have no control over your attitude and your emotions. How many people would be honest and say, my attitude costs me something sometimes? I'll be the first one to tell you, sometimes I got pushed in the wrong way and said something I shouldn't have said, and I'm like, man, I could have been blessed, but I said something I shouldn't have said. And, and many of us like that, sometimes we have to take a step back when the, the best time to take a step back is when we feel like we're being poked. You take a step back and say, wait a minute, do I really want to respond? I could go into some of y'all house and be like, man, maybe you shouldn't have responded that way. You know, sometimes there's friction in our homes because we haven't learned to arrest our attitudes. But this week, I really want to talk about having healthy vision. Helen Keller said something. She said, the only thing worse than being blind is having sight, but no vision. Now, you, if you know Helen Keller, she was both deaf and blind, yet she accomplished amazing things in this world. And so my question to you, even with that, is what is holding you back? What is holding you back from everything that God has for you? What's holding you back from the vision that he has uh, for your life? And I want to tell you, I'm going to say some things throughout this that probably are counterculture to what we're hearing right now. Because God is not, he does not exist solely for our benefit. But he created us to bring him glory. Somebody say amen in here. Um, one of the confessions that uh, throughout church history is that the chief aim of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. Now think about that. That's so different from what we hear on a normal basis. But when we step back and say, wait a minute, I was created for his glory and to enjoy him and, and the things that he wants to do both in me, for me, but most importantly, say through me. Say God wants to do something through me. For everybody who's ever felt insignificant, for everybody who has ever felt like they have not mattered, you have to understand that God wants to do something through you. And some of people may be sitting here saying, hey, I'm past my time, I'm past this, I missed that, I missed this, there's no hope for me. If you have life, you've heard me say it in this church, if you have breath, you have purpose, you have vision, and God wants to do something through you, but say something with me. Say, it's not about me. Can I challenge you to say it a different way? Say, I need to get over myself. God does amazing things when we just move out of the way sometimes. You ever, you ever been trying to do something and that thing never worked? I mean, you're just, you, you just trying and trying and trying, and it just doesn't seem to work. Um, and you get frustrated when somebody comes along to try to help you and say, maybe if you just adjust this just a little bit, and you're like, leave me alone, I know what I'm doing. You ever been there? And that person <laughs> is on the side, and they're like, all right, <laughs> I'm going to let you do you then. You know how some of y'all women, that's what y'all say to your man when he thinks he know everything. Because we do that sometimes. And y'all say, all right, do you. <laughs> let me preach, man. Y'all <laughs> know. Y'all know y'all do that, though. You say, but baby, I just want to help. And then finally he's like, look, I got it. And you're like, all right. And he got to call you in a few minutes. Can you please help? <laughs> Second Kings, Second Kings, chapter 2, verses 19 to 21. Remember what I said, uh, sight but no vision. It says, then the men of the city said to Elisha, behold, now the situation of the city is pleasant as my Lord sees, but the water is bad and the land is unfruitful. I want you to, to pause and think about what's happening here in the moment. They come to the prophet Elisha. And they say to him, the situation is pleasant. In other words, you can look around this city and everything looks right. Have you ever been there where everything looked right, but everything wasn't right? And so this is what's going on. They say, man of God, the situation is pleasant. It looks nice. Everything looks good. He said, but there's a problem. It said the water is bad. And if you miss what he's really saying, he's saying that the life source, there's something wrong with the life source. And because the life source isn't working properly, the land is unfruitful. So it looks good, but it's unproductive. You ever been there in your life where something looked, you made everything in your life, you know, for appearances. I got to make sure I look good. I got to make sure this looks good. But on the inside, what looked good wasn't actually doing anything. And that's what they're saying here. They said, um, so the man of God says, he says, bring me a new jar and put salt in it. So they brought it to him and he went out to the spring of water and threw the salt in it and said, thus says the Lord, I purified these waters. There shall no longer be from their death or unfruitfulness 
any longer. Say no more drought. See, sometimes we've got to deal not with, and what I've learned as believers and even as church and as Christians, we come together and we deal all the time with the outside. Y'all still here? Okay. Yeah, we deal with the outside because the outside is comfortable. Fix this on the outside. Do this on the outside. But how many times do you get uncomfortable when somebody starts dealing with what's going on on the inside? That's when, if we're honest, that's when some of our walls go up. Hey, you can tell me that my glasses are dirty. I'm okay with that. But if you start dealing with my attitude or my emotions, then I say, okay, hold on. Now you're stepping over. It's none of your business. None of your business. <laughs> but how many of you know you need people in your life that can do two things? You need people who can see. This isn't a note, but you need to write this down. You need people who can see what you see. But more importantly, you need people who can see what you can't see. See, we tend to surround ourselves with people who can see what we see, how we see, when we see it, and they always agree with us, but we need some people in our lives who can see what we can't see. Remember I told you that everybody has blind spots last week? We all have blind spots. It doesn't mean that we're bad people necessarily. It just means that there's a part of my life, a part of my situation that I cannot see perfectly because of the position I'm in right now. So I need somebody who walks with me who can see, wait a minute, we need to look at this. And this is what they're saying here in that verse, look, the situation is pleasant as you see, but what you don't see, come on. And when you deal with things as a pastor, what I know, let me tell you what I know when people talk to me. Nine times out of 10, when they're telling me what's going on, they're telling me the part of the story that they want me to know. <laughs> and and I, I, I don't condemn people for that. I just realize it. I take it as a fact. How many of you, when you tell a story, when you call your best friend about what's going on and how, how bad your man is treating you, how crazy your woman is, you call him, but you tell him your side. You didn't tell him what you said leading up to. <laughs> yeah, that's quite, I must be telling the truth in here today. You know, he just, he just sorry. He just, he don't ever do anything. But you didn't, you didn't tell him that you didn't actually specify what you wanted him to do. You know, you got to spell things out for some of us. I'm just going to be honest. Spell it out. Tell us, hey, I need you to do this on Tuesday at 3.30. <laughs> Where there is no vision, the people are unrestrained. This is why healthy vision is important. But happy is he who keeps the law. So true vision, here's the point. True vision always puts healthy restraints on our life. How many of you know we can't just be wide open everywhere all the time? Have you ever felt like you were just all over the place in your life? Like you have one goal today, a different goal tomorrow, a different goal, you know. But sometimes we got to put all of that stuff on the back burner and say, God, what is it that you want from me? What is it that you want to do through me? What is, God, your vision for my life? Because during this fast, one thing that I've realized is you can spend the first part of the fast, if we're honest, you got this list of things you want God to do. Anybody had a prayer list of things you wanted God to do during this time? And so what we end up doing is we bring God our vision. <laughs> God, here's my vision, and here's what I need you to do. I know you're the God of the universe, but I want you to do this. I need you to do it this way. I decree and declare that you do this. And, and, and sometimes we need to take a step back, because all of that is just churchy language. And say, God, you know what? I surrender. Show me what your vision is for my life and help me get in line with that. Because some of us have spent years frustrated because we're trying to pull God a place he don't want to take us. Instead of, say, go with the flow. Instead of getting in God's flow and saying, God, what are you doing so I can be in the flow of blessing? Have anybody ever had hard times in their life? Come on, raise your hand and talk to me in here. You know, where you had trials and tests and things that you thought were just going to break you down for, for the last time and, and, and struggles and everything. You had the season where just everything was hard all the time. Nobody? Where, where it was just hard after hard. After, and you're like, God, could something, anything just be easy for one day? <laughs> and, and in some of those situations, let me tell you something. God is saying it would be a little easier if you step out of you and step out of your box and find out what is it that I want to do through you and submit yourself and surrender to that. And, and this is what I say, hard things as a pastor, because submission, words like submission have become hard words for people to hear now. In, in our postmodern world, it's hard for people to say, no, I don't submit to anything. I do what I want. 
And the reason we feel that way is because people have been dictated to, they've been beat up, they've been told you got to do this. And, and so we haven't found a balance, say healthy, submission. Not being subservient. There's a difference. But healthy submission saying, God, this is your vision for my life. And I know that in my flesh and in my own desires, there's some things that I want. Say sometimes, repeat that to me, sometimes I've been distracted by my desires. Jesus said it to his disciples this way. He said that um, desire for other things enter in and choke the word so it becomes unfruitful. What happens is, is your desires become more important than what God wants to do through you. So while he's saying, look, go here, you can't get your eyes off of here. And, and I'm saying this as a fellow believer with you. I'm not talking down to you. I, I'm, I've had some times of, of crying and struggling in prayer because there was things that I wanted. And God said, if you just let that go and release that and ask me what I want to do and fall in line with that. Because what we've done, I was sharing with somebody, I think it was Brother Ron, I was sharing with him out in the lobby this morning. I said, one of the disservices we've done in church as a whole around the country is we said take this Bible take this word come to church and I'm going to show you how this Bible can help you get what you want and the problem with that is is that it diminishes the power of Christ it diminishes the power of God it diminishes the power of the cross and we can't see anything but what we want but when the actual invitation of Jesus was this come follow me and I will make you fishers of man. That's my vision for you. Follow me so I can show you how to reach everyone that I want you to reach in this lifetime. And in doing that, watch this, in doing that, he's working in you to be everything that he created and called you to be. Stuff that we couldn't be on our own. Anybody in here ever messed up? Ever made a mistake? As a believer, as a believer, messed up, sinned, said something you shouldn't have said, did something you shouldn't have done. There's provision for it called the cross and the blood of Jesus, and that's why he makes us a certain way. Even, even when we mess up, he says, you know what, I'll cover that because I'm making you. And sometimes the biggest thing to bring humility in your life is a mistake because up until we make one, we think we know everything. But mess up something and you'll get humble. Hopefully some of us get humble real quick. Some of us get prideful. No, I ain't messed that up. But I'll tell you, man, if I got that wrong, no, I messed that up. I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> I always think it's funny as a man, like we, you, you know, sometimes best thing you could do is just say, I was wrong. And I'm sorry, but we got to hold the line because we got to be right and we got to be heard and we got to be this. Sometimes you just, you learn. My, my aunt used to tell me this at Thanksgiving. She said, when you get married, sometimes, it's my favorite aunt too. She says, sometimes you just got to be quiet. <laughs> I know you think you're right. And I would sit there as a young, you know, teenager and be like, no, uh, when I speak, I have spoken. <laughs> Some of y'all not laughing because y'all still try to do that stupid stuff now and it don't work. <laughs> Sometimes, she said, well, you learn to just be quiet sometimes. She said, sometimes if the other person is wrong, they'll come back and apologize later. Say patience. Got to learn to wait. Because if you have a vision for healthy friendships and healthy relationships, sometimes you can't get everything out on your side all the time. When we have true vision, we will not forfeit a God thing for a good thing. When we have True vision, we won't forfeit a God thing for a good thing. How many of you know there's things in this world that are not bad? They're just not bad. They're, they, they, they're not going to harm you unless they get in the way of what God has for you. And so we've got to make a choice sometimes and say, you know what? I'm not going to let anything take priority over what God has for my life. And what I shared last week is some of us, we don't get to a place in God. We don't have this vision that God has for our life. We don't move forward in God's vision for our life. Watch this, because we're not desperate for it. There's a difference between desiring something and being desperate for it. When, when, when a, a person is desperate, you don't see it in what they say. You see it in what they do. There's a difference. You, you can always tell a, a desperate person because a desperate person would do whatever it takes this is why we, you know, fasting is a thing. Why do you do it? Because it's a thing, it's, it's an act, an outward act 
of saying, God, I'm desperate for you. Job said this, I desire you, the words of your mouth more than my necessary food. My food is necessary, but hearing from you is more necessary. And so he's saying food isn't bad, but hearing from you is, is more of a necessity than eating. And so you sit there and you say, Pastor, just want to do this fast because all the other churches do 21 days. No, because I know some of us need to, needed to disconnect ourselves from what we're so attached to so we can actually have a clear mind to hear what God wants us to do. And sometimes, it, listen, sometimes some of the stuff that's coming our way, it's just too much noise in our life. You can go on your job or you're, 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 you go to school or go, go somewhere where there's people. And sometimes you get frustrated because there's so much noise coming from different directions. How many of you know you got to cancel it out sometimes so you can hear what he's actually saying? Sometimes we, we, we fail in our relationship with people. We fail in things because we're listening to too many different things. And some, sometimes you got to quiet yourself so... so how many of you have ever been in an argument and when you stopped to hear what somebody was actually really saying, it made sense? But you couldn't hear it over the noise of your own perspective, your own attitude, your own this, your own other. But when you stop back saying, you know, wait a minute, I need to just stop and I need to listen. You know, me and my wife are very transparent. This happens to us probably, probably once a month. Once a month, it'll be, it'll be the stupidest thing. Say stupid. So y'all afraid to say stupid in church? <laughs> But you ever been in one of those arguments just over the dumbest thing? So we were arguing over somebody cut us off. I told the story, but somebody cut us off on, on, on the road. And, of course, if you know her, she's a little more high-strung than, than I am. I'm a little more laid back. Your pastor is laid back. <laughs> so we're, we're sitting there, and it cuts us off. And she's like, go speed up so I can get the license plate. She's not in here, is she? She's with kids today? Okay. Bless God. I could talk about it now. <laughs> so, so, of course, me, if you know me, I'm like, I'm going at the same pace <laughs> that I'm going. I'm not responding to this at all. I'm like, yeah, well, they did it. What are we going to do? We're going to run up them, and then what? <laughs> then, we're, then we're going to call the cops, and then what? <laughs> well, at least we could get there. No. And then what? <laughs> And so now we're going back and forth with each other. Now we're mad at each other because somebody else cut our car off. And so now, let me tell you, and this is not a polite argument. I'm trying to help some of y'all. I'm, like, well, I'm like, you shouldn't get so upset all the time. And she's like, I'm tired of this. I'm tired. And I'm like, look, are you upset that they cut us off? Yes. She's like, are you? I'm like, yes. I'm like, so what are we fighting about? <laughs> y'all let the enemy cut y'all off sometimes. And then you turn on each other and kill each other with friendly fire. Think about that for a minute. Relationships, friendships, and things that should never end, they end because of stuff that's outside of y'all. But when you have vision for what should be preserved, then you protect what should be preserved, and you attack what should be taken away. Come on, y'all with me? Is this helping anybody? Because we got to get real. In, 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 this, in this new year, I, don't, I, I shared with some people that I don't want to get to December and I'm still fighting the same stuff. I'm still dealing with the same things. And, and there's some things that the enemy tries to bring on. But I don't, not for my own reason do I just want to keep fighting the same thing when I, when I can have an answer to it. If, if the problem in all my relationships is my inability to forgive, I want to deal with that this year. Come on, if my, if my problem on my job is the fact that I always think everybody else is against me, I want to get some confidence in myself this year. And I want God to help me to do that. But say, say get past it. Okay, so real vision, I say all that, I say real vision must be retained and it must be maintained. So once you find out what God wants to do through you, you got to hold on to that. Because the enemy lies to you. He lies to you every single day. He lies to you through circumstances. He lies to you through situations. And some people get uncomfortable you talking about the enemy a lot until they go through something. And you realize that it wasn't necessarily anything you did, but the enemy tries to come. And so in the midst of those things, we have to both retain and maintain vision. Habakkuk says this. He says, the, then the Lord answered me and said, record the vision. When God puts something strongly on your heart, best thing you can do. This is not real deep. Write it down. 
I got so many journals floating around the house, it's not even funny. Something God puts on my heart, I write it down. Why? Because when people come and tell you you can't do something that God told you you should and will do, you got to have something to fight with. When God shows you something about your identity and your purpose and the things that he wants you to do through, you can't be pushed off of it so easily. And sometimes, it, it, sometimes it's not going to be me or anybody else cheering you on saying, you can do it, you can do it. Sometimes you're going to be by yourself with tears in your eyes, and you need to be able to go in your journal and say, I remember on, on January 20, 25th or 20, whatever day it is, 26th, um, God spoke to me. And, and I remember I took this note, and that was just for me. That's how you talk to yourself. You have to record the vision, inscribe it on tablets that the one who reads it may run. For the vision is yet for, say, appointed time. Say, an appointed time. It hastened towards its goal and it will not fail. When God gives a vision, that vision is going to happen. And one thing that we must do when we come into church is have our confidence, not in man, but in God restored. Because what I find is that we can get on our knees and we can pray and we can do our devotions, but some of us do all of that with no confidence in God at all. But you've got you've to rediscover that, that place of faith and confidence that when you pray and when you seek the face of God and when he says, I'm going to do this in your life, that no matter hell or high water or anything that comes through you, I believe God. You know, it, it's, it's saying in a sense, I'm not going to be moved by what I see, but I'm going to be moved by what I believe. Because what I see, how many of you remember that old song? You'd be like, um, well, Pastor, you shouldn't know that. But the, the guy said, my mind is playing tricks on me. Your eyes will play tricks on you, too. When God speaks to you, what you see sometimes won't line up with what he said. So when I don't like what I see, I got to remind myself of what he said. Man, I'm preaching better than y'all talking back to me today. But proper vision gives us proper direction. Proper vision gives us proper direction. When you see someone without direction, you're looking at somebody without vision. So what happened, and, and this is not a bad thing, because sometimes what some of us need to do is wait on direction. Because here's what happens. If you could imagine an octopus on roller skates. There's <laughs> a lot of movement, but it has no idea where it's going. So sometimes we, we don't want to be like that octopus. We need to say, okay, what direction, God, are you taking me in? Without worrying about what everybody else is doing. For some of us, we, some people social media fasted during this time. It was the best thing you could do because everything in your life is dictated by what you see other people do. And so the best thing you do is shut all of that out and say, God, what do you have for, for me and, and my family? You know, what, what, do you want, what do you want to accomplish through me this year without being concerned about comparing yourself with other people? How many be honest and say, I got depressed a little bit because I started comparing my situation with other people? Why is my relationship not like theirs? Why is, why is my living situation not like theirs? Why, why do they always get the job? And every time I apply, it seems like I'm always, I would have I been the next one, but there's somebody. But y'all, am I, am I in here anywhere? Why does it always seem to turn out good for everybody else but me? And God is saying, I need you to get your mind off other people. Let me get real. Some of us don't even know what we want. And so it's hard to have vision because we don't even know what we want. We only want what we see other people have. We carry that high school mentality of I want those shoes because they have them. Oh, man, those kicks are nice. Where'd you get those from? And we do that with our life. Hey, that vision is nice. Where'd you get that from? Instead of taking a step back and saying, God, there's a pull in my heart that I know you got something for me. Tailor-made and designed for me. Please show me what it is. To fulfill the vision that God has for us, we must be willing to both run and wait. You have to be able to run and you got to be able to wait and you got to be able to do those things at the right time. Sometimes God will say, you need to strike while this, I gave you this thing. You need to run with it. And some of us, we struggle from, watch this, the, the paralysis of analysis. That's not in the notes. Y'all write that down. I can't spell it either. Just figure it out. Um, <laughs> 
We struggle from the paralysis of analysis. In other words, God puts something right in front of you, and he says, run. And you know what we do? Because I do it. We analyze. And when you analyze long enough, you end up like Moses. God, why did you choose me? Because I, I can't talk. Um, why did you choose me? Because other people won't listen to me. Uh, God, please send somebody else. And we forfeit what God wants to do in our life. And y'all do the same thing. I do the same thing. God says, you know, I got this for you. This is what I want to do. And you know what you do? You talk about all the reasons why you're not qualified to do it, not realizing that God knew all your strengths and your weaknesses when he called you to do it in the first place. And here's a little secret. Let me let you in on something. God loves to call those who are weak. Paul said it like this. He said, I've chosen, God's chosen the foolish things to confound the wise. And he goes on to say, the reason I choose the way I choose is so that no flesh can glory in my presence. So you sit there, a lot of us are like, man, God chose me, and we do this. And I'm like, man, God chose a foolish thing. Let me hold this microphone. But I'm sure glad he did. Because that means that I got to die to myself every day so that I don't get here and, and give you me. He'll use our unique personalities. Don't get me wrong. He'll use um, our strengths and weaknesses. But don't ever get it twisted and think that he chose you because of you. His vision for your life is because he knew <laughs> that he could fill you and do what he wanted to do through you. I mean, y'all should get excited about it. You know why you get excited about that? Because some of y'all spending your entire life trying to be qualified for something you'll never qualify for. You know what the qualification is to walk in the vision of God? Say surrender. There's a time, Ecclesiastes says, for everything. And a season for every activity under heaven. Walking properly in vision means that we must properly understand the times in which we live. You ever had somebody say the right thing but said it at the wrong time? Have you ever had the right thing? You said the right thing, but you said it at the wrong time. I say this to people. When God gives you something, you've got to have three things. You have to have revelation. You have to have interpretation. And you have to have application. If you don't have all three of those, keep your mouth closed. We want to run on revelation, and we, don't, we know what God said, but we don't know what he meant. <laughs> Once we know what he meant, we want to run with that, but we don't know how it applies to the person he wants us to give it to. And I'm not talking about like, oh, God told me this. I'm saying, like, you got this strong thing, but you don't even know what it means yet. And you go messing up stuff. Say, wait. wait. But when you understand the times, and this is where we have to, to get, we have to understand the times that we're in so that we can walk properly. Uh, and I told you all last week, people don't come to be part of the body of Christ so that the body of Christ can look just like what they left. Do y'all mean, did you understand what I'm saying? I might be flawed. You know what I mean? I might have things I'm working through, I have things that I'm getting over. So when I come into the family of believers, I'm not looking for you to be like what I just left. Because I need something different to pull me out of what I've been through. I need something different to pull me out of the chains that I've been in. I, the, last, the worst thing we should do is come in the body of Christ and be chained by the same stuff that chained us out there. Y'all following with me? So it's like, no, there's some times, and this is where it is. I said all that to get to this and where I'm going. As a pastor, sometimes I got to say stuff you don't want to hear. Because I could pet you in the moment, but it only keeps you where you are. But sometimes God says, no, provoke them a little bit so they, they get agitated enough to get out of where they are. Hypocrites, Jesus said, you know how to interpret the appearance of the earth and the sky. How is it that you do not know how to interpret the present time? So there were people who understood all these good things about the sky and things were happening. They, they, they spent time having philosophical discussions. But Jesus said, you don't even know how to interpret the time you live in. So what, what does he do? Jeremiah 3.15 says this. And this is important. He says, then I'll give you shepherds after my own heart who will lead you with knowledge and understanding. Let me share my heart with you for a minute. 
in order for the family of believers to walk in vision, you got to have somebody who's feeding you with knowledge and understanding. You, you have to have some, I'm not saying you have to have somebody who's perfect. You have to have somebody that God has placed in your life to do these things. Because here's what happens. Because we preach God wrong, we want God's shepherds, we want God's leaders to do stuff they, never called, they were never called to do. And then we wonder why God doesn't work in our life. The primary thing, and, and this, why are you saying this? Because I have to understand my vision as a pastor. I can get caught up in all these things, Brother John, and not forget, and I forget that God said, no, your task on Sunday is to feed people with knowledge and understanding so that they can go out and deal with their week, they can deal with their families, they can deal with this, and we, can get, we get caught up in all this other stuff that has nothing to do with anything that God told us to do. Y'all still with me? I'm almost done. I'm almost done. Vision helps us understand why God is feeding us. That's why I said that. We have to understand why God is feeding us. So don't take this personal, but I want you to think about this and maybe write it down somewhere. Selfish sheep get fat. Unselfish sheep get busy. <laughs> Take this from a natural standpoint. If you're eating, you have to understand why you're eating. And some of us eat for taste. Are, anybody in here like that? We eat for taste, man. That's the, some of y'all broke that fast, man, and y'all went crazy. Some of y'all, this morning, y'all went crazy when you broke the fast. I'm eating all this stuff I didn't eat for 21 days, and I'm going to get it all in in 21 minutes. <laughs> And there's moments where we eat for taste, but some of us also realize that we have to eat for health and eat for nutrition, and that means that, all, that means that sometimes the food that I'm given may not taste good, but it's good for me. You understand where I'm going with that? So sometimes the message you hear may not taste good, but it's good for you. Sometimes the encouragement that somebody gives you, the, 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 the help that they give you may not look like the help you wanted, but it's the help you need. You ever had family members like that? They came to you for help, but the help they wanted is not the help they actually needed. So where do we go from here? Ephesians chapter 4, he says this, So Christ himself gave apostles, prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers to equip, say equip, his people for works of service so that the body of Christ might be built up. God's vision is this, is to build the body. God's vision is to build the body. So at the end of the day, when you leave, and, and I've, I've noticed that I need to spend some time each week just reminding people why they're here. <laughs> and what I mean by that is you should leave not necessarily always feeling better, but always built somewhere. God should build something in you. You should be challenged um, in some area. And, and what I learned um, is that sometimes we preach and we teach, but if we do it right, it should demand some type of response. That response may be reflection, it may be obedience, it may be changing something. So when you hear the word of God preached, you ought to be asking yourself inside, God, what, what part of this is for me? Because sometimes the whole 40 minutes isn't you, isn't for you. But there's a piece of it in there that you need to pull that'll help you in your week, a piece that'll help you in your family, help you be a better father, a better mother, um, a better on your job, a better student, um, Whatever, and, and, and to be more Christ-like. So you should be challenged every single time you come in here. How many of you read your Bible? A little bit. How many times you open it and you'd be like, oh, man, I wish I didn't read that today. <laughs> and you knew it was for you because God's saying, look, I, you, you're doing good, but I got to challenge you in some areas. Time to come up higher. You ever, you ever, you ever been there where you felt God was challenging you? Come up higher. Come up higher. I need you to come up higher. I'm, I'm challenging you. You've been where you are too long. We're not built up solely for ourselves. We're not built up solely for ourselves. We're built up for the good of others. We're built up to reflect what God wants to do in this earth and do in this life. So I'm talking about healthy vision, knowing where God wants to take us, why he wants to take us there, why he wants to do what he wants to do. And here's what happens as a pastor. I'll be honest with you. Whenever somebody says, Pastor, what's your vision? Most of the time, what they're thinking about is what building do you want? <laughs> they're thinking about, what do you want to do this? What do you want to do that? And, and what's your vision for that? And the reality is, is, I don't have authority to have a vision that's different than God's. All of that stuff is good, but it's not really vision. God's vision is to go out and make disciples of all nations, baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. 
teaching people to, to observe everything that he commanded us to do. And the promise, though I'm with you always, presence follows obedience. It follows the vision that God has for my life. Why are you saying this? Because God has something that he's put in you to help make disciples. And if you, don't, if you don't catch that, you'll miss why you deal with things, why you go through certain things, why you experience certain things, why you get discouraged by certain things. You'll miss why the enemy attacks you certain ways. How many of you have a way the enemy attacks you? Be honest. There, there, there's a way. He knows he just knows, like, if he does this or he plants this seed, he knows how to get to you. Some of us, it's when our sincerity is attacked, we can't function. For some of us, when we feel criticized or we feel diminished, we can't function. He knows how to get to all of us. How does he know that? Is he omniscient? No, he just watches you. You have an enemy who studies you more than you study you. So he says, okay, y'all have heard me say this in the church. He doesn't know what's going on inside. All he does is throw stuff at you to see what sticks. Ah, that worked. Use that this time. You know what? Just move them to say this, and they'll get discouraged. And, it, and so he knows that, and he uses that. All to keep us from doing what Christ said we would be judged on. <laughs> All that to, to, to keep us from doing what I'm about to read next. The very thing Jesus said he would, he would evaluate his people on, on judgment day. He says this in Matthew. Then the king will say to those on his right, come, you who are blessed by my father. This is the vision that God has. And I'll repeat this every Sunday. You who are blessed of my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me and I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick and in prison and go to visit you? The king will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Feed the hungry, clothe the naked, Heal the sick. Visit the in prison. You all understand that? He has put something inside of each and every one of you, no matter how insignificant you feel you are, to accomplish those five things. In the smallest ways, you don't even realize it sometimes. And I'm not saying you go and be crazy. Or be, but he's saying, I'm going to evaluate you on this. Y'all heard me say this. Like, if, if we were on trial... For being believers, how many of us would actually be convicted based on the evidence against us? Would they be able to say, Brother John, you know, we find you guilty of being a Christian because you saw somebody thirsty and you, you gave them something to drink? Would they be able to say, uh, Brother Ronald, would they be able to say that you saw the hungry and you fed them? Would they be able to say, Brother Sean, that... that there were people who messed up in life and ended up in prison, but you went and, and you, you visited them. We find you guilty of being Christ-like, guilty of being believer. The vision that God has for you is to be found guilty of being Christ-like. Can we say amen? Come on and stand up. I want to pray and I want us to worship. And I want you to just take a minute before we do this, just bow your head all, all over the room. Well, Pastor, you didn't preach about the things that I needed. Didn't. I was hoping to find out maybe how to get a new house, a new car. That's none of y'all. I'm just saying it happens sometimes in churches. That's why people come. None of y'all. None of y'all would ever, ever do that. But... But I believe strongly for those of us who've been on this 21 days of, of fasting and for those of us who've been praying, God wants to redirect some of us and put our attention and our focus back on what's important. You'll find out who you are. You'll find out the identity that he has for you when you commit to the identity that he has for you. 
Yes, your name may be this, your name may be that, but because you belong to Christ, your identity is found in following him and saying, God, where do I fit in those five things that I'm going to be evaluated on? And as I do that, here's the beautiful thing about God. Then he starts doing stuff you didn't ask him for. Then he starts fixing stuff and start giving you stuff you didn't even know you wanted. Sometimes you receive something. I don't know who I'm talking to, but you receive something from God so precious. And you don't realize that it touches your heart till after he gives it to you. Like, man, I, this is what I wanted all the time. This is the validation I was looking for. This is the affirmation I was looking for. This is the thing that has really finally raised the self-esteem that's been destroyed. Is I finally found what God designed me for in the first place. And then you get free. Then you get free from all the expectations of others, the expectations of this world. And you're able to say, because I'm surrendered, I am who he says. I am. So we're going to worship. I'm going to come back and pray. And then we're going to be done. But I want you to sing. And I want you to worship to this song like you believe it. Watch the words. Listen. Worship with all you have. And I believe God will move in your life. Wow. Let, let's pray. As you bow your heads, I, I want to pray for some of you who, y'all sang that part that said, in my father's house there's a place for me, and I just feel like there's some people that, you know, you may not say it out loud, but you, for a long time, you're like, where is my place? Is there a place for me anywhere? I just don't seem, it seems like I'm always just out, out of place. And God says, I, I've got a place for you. So I want to pray for you, and I also want to pray for those who, feel like you, you've heard the word, you've worshiped today, and you're like, you know, that part about I need to surrender. I just need to give myself to God and give my life to God. Nobody's looking around. Nobody's going to embarrass you, but I just want to know who to, to pray for. If you feel like you're hearing, like, you know, I need to surrender. I don't have it all figured out. I don't know how to do it. I might mess up. If that's you, just slip your hand up quickly so I can agree with you um, in prayer. God bless you. I see you. I see you. I see you. All right. And also, if you're here, and maybe you've never made a decision to follow Jesus. Maybe you just kind of been, you know, I do the church thing, but I've never really said, Lord, be, I, I trust you for my salvation. I trust you um, that the blood of Jesus washes my sins. And I just want to, I want you to be Lord of my life. I don't even know what it all means, but I, I'm willing to try to follow you. If that's you, slip your hand up quickly. Nobody's going to embarrass you. We're just going to pray uh, for you. Amen. Amen. God bless you. God bless you. Heaven's rejoicing. Heaven's rejoicing. Heaven, I don't know if y'all understand that, man. Heaven is rejoicing when we say, God, it's all about you, and I'm turning my life over, and I'm trusting you to show me how. It doesn't mean that you won't mess up. It doesn't mean that you won't make mistakes. It just means that you're surrendering your life to God. He's going to be Lord of your life. He's going to lead you. He's going to direct you. Um, and lastly, because I'm going to pray for all of these at the same time, you are here, and I'll just tell you how I sense it, but you're facing an impossible situation. You know, just the world has said it's impossible. Um, what does that sound like, Pastor, that says that um, doctors have said you'll never get better, it's always going to be this way, or maybe you're facing a decision you've got to make or things that need to, to work out in your favor, and you just need God's hand on um, your particular situation. In other words, the prayer is, God, I need you to move in this because I can't do it. If that's you, slip your hand up also so we can, we can see. Amen. All right. All right. God bless you. All right. First part, I want you all to repeat after me. Father, in Jesus' name, thank you for the cross. Thank you for the blood that Jesus shed for me. Lord, to the best of my ability, I turn from sin to you. I trust in you and not myself for my salvation. Thank you for forgiving me, cleansing me. Sit on the throne of my life and be Lord. Help me when I stumble. Pick me up when I fall. When I cry, Wipe my tears and help me to move on. Strengthen me. Encourage me so that I can walk out everything.
that you placed inside of me since the beginning of time. Thank you. And I rejoice because I'm saved. And if I'm saved, I'll live eternally with you. Eternal life is the most important thing in my life. Thank you that you have vision for me. Thank you that I have purpose, but it's found in you. Take me, Lord, all of my weaknesses, all of my flaws, all of my insecurities, all of those things. I don't want anyone else to see or know. Thank you for covering them. Thank you for washing them. And thank you for giving me a right to new life. Now, Lord, every impossible situation, I declare, is temporary. I have victory through Jesus. You didn't call me to climb the mountain. You called me to speak to it. Every obstacle is your opportunity to show yourself mighty on my behalf. Lord, in my life, be glorified. Give me wisdom. Give me discernment. Give me direction so that I walk faithfully in the direction that you have for my life. Now, God, with boldness, I celebrate my victory. I celebrate my freedom because in you, I find my identity, my purpose, your plan for my life. Because of that, every situation that comes my way must bow, must bow to the name of Jesus. Lack must bow to the name of Jesus. Insecurity must bow to the name of Jesus. My sins have been washed away. My name is written in the Lamb's book of life. Because of that, I am totally, not partially, but totally victorious in Jesus' name. Lord, cover my body. Heal my sicknesses. Remove my diseases. Thank you, and I trust you that you keep your word and your promises in Jesus' name. Let everyone that believes and agrees with that shout amen. Let's praise God in here. He's worthy of the praise, and he deserves the praise. Let me just bless your week, and then don't leave before I get a chance to high-five you or whatever. Some of y'all run so fast. Let me just see you. I'm not going to talk to you and get your business. Just let me see you. Father, in the name of Jesus, bless their week. Let them leave encouraged, built up, stronger, with more confidence in you. In Jesus' name, amen.